0: You're listening to Real Talk and Real Estate. I'm your host, Micah Rotunda, local realtor and radio personality. Real Talk and Real Estate is your on demand, latest and greatest real estate podcast. Here to keep you in tune with the latest market trends and real estate market news here in Florida from local industry experts. I'm going to be here with tips and insights to make your home buying, selling, or investing process as smooth as possible. Be sure to hit like and subscribe. If you enjoy this episode, share it with a friend. If you're in the Tampa Bay area and you're looking to buy, sell, or invest, please do give me a call. I'd love to help you out. My personal cell, 352-585-2387. Give me a call. Ask me questions. I'm here to help. Welcome to Real Talk in Real Estate. Really excited to have you on as in. As a guest, uh, we both work in the same office, except you're two places at once always, which I admire. Tell us a little bit about yourself as a person and a professional, Justin.
1: Thank you for having me on today. I'm excited to be here. Uh, First time doing a podcast and been wanting to do it for a while. So I really appreciate you bringing me on. Well, so a little bit about myself. I grew up in Brooksville, Florida, which is just north of Tampa. Um, Joined the Marine Corps right out of high school. Been doing that for 19 plus years now. During that time, I got into buying my first home after reading some books about real estate and how that can generate wealth uh, for you as a person and your family. And so bought my first house in 2011, which was seemed like the prime time to buy because the market had just crashed and everything seemed to be on sale. And since then, uh, I have ownership in nine rental properties and had uh, purchased four personal residents, two uh, Two of those have been uh, rental properties that have since sold um, and looking to do even more deals as I get closer to retirement and going full-time real estate. Also just this last year or within the last year, I got my license uh, to sell real estate here in Colorado and then got my license down there in Florida, which you know.
0: And I think it's really cool to think about your plan, like retirement. So in my experience as well, I've come across buyers who have the aspirations of one day retiring and having multiple income properties. So speaking to that a little bit, people kind of are weary right now, I think just due to COVID, maybe making these investments, there's a lot of risks involved. So in your experience, as you go about this, what are some strategies and tactics that you've used to kind of protect yourself against the potential risks of investing? And then also, kind of, just some tips on how to go about that, and not bite off more than you than you can chew right out the gate. Yeah, so I've I've
1: gotten to a point where uh, we've bitten off more than we could chew at a point in time, and you know learned a lot of lessons from that. But uh, prior to all of those things, uh, I did a lot of educating myself. Uh, I brought this stack of books here because it's just a small sample of the amount of books that I read, you know, just leading up to starting to really get into investing um in 2019 when we bought our first property solely as a as an income property. Um, And then I listened to podcasts similar to this one. Um, uh, You may have heard of it, Bigger Pockets. Uh, They you know have a ton of great content on there. Um, But I've also listened to a ton of audio books about how to run businesses. Um, Went to some courses, you know, spoke to other like-minded people, which I found to be very you know helpful because you can talk to people that um have done this in the past. Uh, And then you know, uh, once you're educated enough, I found, okay, well, you can't just stick your nose in the books forever. You got to get after it. And that's really where the experience comes in. Um, and you start, you know, looking at the market that you want to invest in. My market was in Brooksville, Florida. And so I started researching that market, you know, extensively looking for homes, looking for deals, uh, and was able to find one. Um, Bigger Pockets has a great tool that allows you to run your numbers uh, against, you know, for a rental property. And so you can analyze the deal to see if it's worth, you know, uh, investing in it. Uh, And so once I've analyzed the deal and I can see, okay, hey, you know, very conservative numbers here. If I buy the property for this and I can rent it out for that, I put this much down. Uh, all of the factors that go into, you know, buying a, a investment property that makes me that helps me make an informed decision on whether or not to invest in that in that deal. So the biggest thing I would say that to, for any new investor is educate yourself, you know, extensively. I spent approximately five months of listening to podcasts and reading books uh, before I really took the plunge in um, buying my first uh, property. And during that time, you know, I set a goal to save twenty five thousand dollars. Uh, in that five-month period. And I was able to figure out a way to save 25 grand to get that deal done. Uh, Just a couple of tips there.
0: I think you brought up a really good point about saving, right? So I think... This is applicable to anybody who has any interest in buying a home. I think oftentimes it's underestimated how much is really needed in order to purchase a home and then not be, for lack of a better way to be to put it, cash poor. After you get to the closing table, you have closing costs, you have down payments, and then also, of course, you want to get a mortgage payment that's as low as possible. So in some of those uh, saving strategies, what are some things that you did? Maybe did you cut back on going out to dinner? Did you, I don't know, there's so many different ways that people go about that. What are some insights that you can give on saving money to lead up to that purchase? And then also for the incidentals and maybe the enhancements that you have to make on the property itself.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So you definitely have to uh, make some sacrifices when you're trying to commit to saving a decent sum of money. And, you know, for myself being in the Marine Corps, you know, $25,000 in a five month period is, is, uh, could be very difficult to get, you know, get done. Uh, luckily at the time the Marine Corps had sent me away for an event. And when they do that, they, you know, you normally get what they call per diem and that's like money for food and, you know, um, incidental type type things that may come arise. Well, I stayed at a hotel. The hotel offered a, a free breakfast and a you know um, a light dinner. Well, what did I eat? I ate everything at the hotel because it came with the hotel price, and I just you know aggressively saved my money. I also because I was away from my family, I didn't go out and do much. Uh, and just stayed you know at the house, worked on my fitness, worked on reading, worked on learning and and focused my efforts towards okay, my goal, which was saving twenty five thousand dollars in a five month period. and um, while I didn't get quite to twenty five before we made the purchase, uh, I did get to 20, which you know was significantly more than um, I had ever saved in that quick period of time anyway. so uh, you're gonna have to make sacrifices if you do if you do want to do that but There are ways, uh, and we can talk about those if you like. Uh, There's a great book about it uh, that I read about how to invest with no money or low money down that uh, really kind of opened my mind about how to make future deals happen as well.
0: Yeah, um, I mean, I think just anybody who they go into their first investment and there's almost like this, there is an adrenaline rush that comes with it. They get into that property and then they think, okay, I want to do this again, but the next time I learned this, this, and this. So going in um, kind of, like you said, the real learning happens whenever you take action. But I like what you said about making the sacrifices. If, you want to make something happen, you have to do that. And even if it's for somebody who is not interested in an investment property, but is interested in no longer paying rent or just one stone an asset, you know, you have to look at the big picture and say, okay, this six months of sacrificing some type of luxury will lead to me having a luxury home that I get to have for the next 30 years. In regard to somebody who has, let's say a rental property in the state of the world as it is. We've had moratoriums in effect. We've had COVID-19 kind of take over the landscape of the world. What kind of advice or insight can you give that? And is there a background check process that you advise for those who are renting out properties?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. And it did, you know, kind of scare us initially uh, whenever this whole thing uh, took place. Um, we had We were in the middle of fixing up a bunch of houses at the time, and slowly getting tenants in Uh, we did utilize a background check uh, through zillow actually Uh, zillow has a great platform for listing your properties um, and then directly through the app they can apply uh, to those houses uh, which during the application process they do a background check and a credit check that is then sent to you as the landlord that you can then review that tenant's history and 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 everything else Uh, the other question that you want to or the other thing that uh, we did during that period was, and you should always do this too, but is um, calling their employers and making sure that they're still within good standing and that they, you know, have an actual job. Um, you know, uh, the other piece was calling their past, uh, their past uh, landlords and ensuring that hey, these people always paid on time or you know, um, never had any kind of troubles with them. So you definitely want to make sure you're doing your tenant selection, and I think that that is probably uh, the key to every landlord and ensuring that their investment is going to be, uh, successful, you know, but, you know, I haven't had a real big issue with most of our tenants that we've placed. We did have one iffy tenant. They always paid on time, but they never would tell us when there was an issue with the house until it was like too late. Uh, they were kind of, uh, an iffy tenant, but you know, uh, they have since left, um, our our property and we've gotten better tenants in there and we learned some lessons from them. uh, but, you know, the most important piece, I think, to it is understanding that not everything's going to be picture perfect. You know, you read a book and they're like, oh, you can't, don't ever rent anybody with less than a 600. Well, we took a chance on one of the guys um, and he's been in our, one of our properties, uh, the first one that Lena and I bought together, my wife. And uh, that guy has been amazing. You know, he is now a personal friend. He does all of our Um, smaller jobs you know when we do our flips he comes in and fixes up the floors he goes in and you know installs cabinets for us and you know fixes little things here and there Uh, and he does a great job Uh, his name is Ulysius and he's there in Brooksville and you know shameless plug for him but uh, innovatively solving problems is his company's name and, and they do a fantastic job
0: No shameless plugs here. (laughs) As far (laughs) as that being said, though, it's like uh, you're saying having a tenant that you build this rapport with. Unfortunately, I think oftentimes when people think of a rental property, they think of their landlord as this big governing power that has 100 other units that they're just freely giving out. But then oftentimes it's really a husband and wife who own one additional income property. So that being said, moving forward, we spoke about moratoriums, but kind of putting into effect things that protect you as the homeowner and different things that you can advise, maybe having extra income put away in case scenario that you might go into forbearance. What kind of insight can you give the landlords or the property owners? And then also um, how to protect their asset insurance wise.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and I did. I, I forgot to mention that during the last portion, but yeah, a reserve, a strong reserve account is is highly recommended. Um, you don't want to go into, in my opinion, right? You don't want to go in over leveraged and not have enough resources um, to protect you in case of a COVID-19, you know, eviction moratorium, right. Or uh, just uh, an eviction in general, those are costly and expensive. And usually the tenants don't leave the place looking very nice. And so you have to put money back into it there. So a strong reserve is um, definitely uh, I highly recommend. And that's what we do with our personal property. We went in with a, you know, enough to cover one year uh, worth of the, the mortgage in case something happened. And, and, you know, we haven't built it up more, uh, much more th- uh, than that as of yet. Um, but, you know, I think uh, a year's worth of rent, if you will, like, you know, uh, is going to cover a vast majority of the things that you're going to have to worry about. Um, and then the other thing that you want to do is monthly, you don't want to just take every bit that you earn after you pay off your mortgage payment if you have one. You want to set money aside, right? Uh, Not only for your insurance uh, and your taxes, but then also just for your maintenance, um your capital expenditures which would be you know for like a roof like in the future right you got to think long term when you have real estate you know roofs only last 20 to 30 years uh you know hvacs and you know other appliances that you have inside of your uh, the, the property um and then you know small little maintenance things that come up like hey the the toilet's um running and needs to be fixed or um the window broke, right? And you got to fix that, right? So there's there's been small little things that you want to set aside enough money for. Uh, and, and in our personal business, we we assume whenever we buy a house, we're going to have to set 20% aside of the gross income. So if you're making $1,000, you're going to set aside $200 a month for maintenance, capital expenditures. Uh, we always put like an extra 5% buffer or 10% buffer in there to ensure that anything else that comes up.
0: Really great advice. And I think in regards to having insurance on the property, what do you advise for someone? Let's say they're buying their first income property and they're thinking, okay, I'm going to get my first tenant in there. How do I make sure that I'm not liable and that everything can be taken care of? And then is there an insurance maybe in Florida that you recommend for them shopping around with for quotes?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, I'll plug the Browning Insurance Company. It's there in Brooksville. That's who we use, uh, specifically Michael Browning. Uh, Love that kid. He's uh, been our agent since the get, and he, um, you know, does a fantastic job for us and always finds us uh, what we're looking for. Um, But, you know, we go with the standard property insurance. You always get the advisor We always go to the experts when it's something to do in their field. So for real estate, people could come to me, uh, but for insurance, I'm going to go to someone else or to, you know, if I need something fixed, I'm going to go to uh, the experts to, you know, kind of advise on that. Uh, And so we get your standard property insurance. It's usually um, a little bit more, you know, if it's an income property, you know, because, you know, tenants involved and all that. Uh, But we also carry a personal uh, umbrella coverage um, just over myself and, and, and Lena. So that way, if something were to go awry and the insurance didn't cover, you know, for something happening in the rental property and they tried to come after us personally, you know, we would have an umbrella policy. And, you know, back when we had three personal uh, rental properties, you know, we, it cost us about $500 a year for like a million or $2 million in coverage. So, you know, not that great of an expense for, you know, in case somebody tries to bring a lawsuit against you.
0: Absolutely. Well, Justin, you've given me, um, a wealth of insight. I think that anybody tuning into this episode is going to benefit just taking time to listen. Is there anything additional that you kind of want to share or advise? And then also, like I said, there's no shameless plugs here. You hang your license here at Art of Florida Realty. So people need yep. to know how to get in touch with you.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, just kind of the last couple of things we already talked about, Hey, education first, um, You want to research your market really, really well and know what, you know, what your rents are, what your properties are going for. Um, And then uh, just, you know, having an idea of kind of the economics there in the community that you're going to invest in. Um, And then you want to just get out there and get after it. I mean, you're not going to make, you know, you're not going to hit a home run on your first deal more than likely. Uh, So, but if you get a base hit, you know, you get on first base, I mean, okay, hey, you're in the game you know, you've got a chance to, to score a run. Um, uh, and then, you know, after you put a deal together and you feel a little bit more confident with that, you know, start telling people what you're doing. You know, uh, that's what we did in our business earlier this year. You know, my brother came on our team and, you know, he's just started telling people what we were doing and we were able to close on three more properties within like a three month period. Um, and so, uh, we are actively searching for more properties, uh, Specifically, anything from one to four units currently is what we're looking for. Um, and they can be, you know, one bedrooms, two bedrooms, three bedrooms, you know, one or two baths uh, is fine with us. Um, but we are actively searching for those. Uh, and if you would like to reach out to me, you can find me at Justin Noe Real Estate uh, on Instagram, uh, or you can contact me email, and that's uh, justin.r.noe at gmail.com, and Noe is spelled N-O-E.